0: Layer 3 is a contract research
1: and development firm specializing in Web3 and blockchain infrastructure. Their goal is to break down barriers of limitation and offer growth of innovation to the emerging tech space. They offer a plethora of services such as blockchain consulting, development, infrastructure, and more. Layer 3 can help take your idea from incubation to MVP to release. To learn more, visit layer3.blockbytes.com. Oh. What is happening, everybody? I am Crypto Clay. Welcome to Across the Chains, episode 10. With us, as always, Justin Bebus, Double Sharp, OX Buns, Mr. Nick Dracon, and special appearance by my friend, Mr. Mark Jeffrey. Mark, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Uh, very, very happy to have you, man. So, uh, for people that don't know, Mark is, uh, I think, a founder of Bullion Fund. He runs the Hash Rate podcast. Wrote in a couple
0: books on Bitcoin, if I'm not mistaken. Is that is that all accurate? That is accurate. One in 2013, one in 2015, uh, and I ran another podcast in 2014 where I interviewed Vitalik about two weeks before the Ethereum ICO. So oh, that was sort of my damn. claim to fame in the last cycle. Yeah, it was pretty good. Nice man. I, I, I did not know that, but but I do love hash
1: rates, So uh, great Thank work. You. So. Uh absolute clown show out there. We have so much to go through. I I, every day I wake up, I'm like, I just you couldn't write this stuff. This is like this isn't even a movie. It's beyond a movie. It's it's a comedy at this point. So um, so much to go into. Already introed Mark. There's talk about sex tapes. I don't know if that's gonna happen or not. They're supposed to drop today. I don't know if anybody needs that or they don't, but you know, we'll see how that goes. Uh we've got a four-part FTX series that we're gonna go through because there's that much. Little stuff that's happening every single day. So we're going to break down this into four parts, uh, starting with the bankruptcy filing and a whole bunch of other stuff. Hang on to your your shorts because we've got so much to go through that I cannot wait. This is my favorite day of the week because of this show. Uh, and so Aww. I'm sure you're going to start dropping comments. Where's Austin? Where's Austin? Uh, he's, he's fine. He's good. He's actually going to be on a Twitter spaces with uh bit boy, which I was, uh, actually shocked. And is kind of hilarious. Uh, but go check it. Well, don't go check it out. Cause it's right now while we're doing this. So you want to stay here with us, but it's happening right now, I think on shimmers, Twitter space. Uh, so that's going on. So that's where Austin is. Let's get that out of the way. And, uh, let's kick this thing off guys. So, um, We're going to go into the first topic. So basically FTX came out and released an insane bankruptcy court filing this week. It was the stuff that was that was in it was really outside of the scope of probably what anybody could imagine um, and was far worse than anything that you could ever expect. Um, You know, most people on CT are saying, you know, this is way worse than Enron. I don't even think you can compare this to Enron at this point. Um, You know, Alameda was exempt from liquidations. Uh, They loaned SBF and and sort of his crew up to $4 billion in in sort of personal loans. Obviously, you know, there was other people's assets involved. Uh, They were storing all private keys in a group email with FTX wallets, like just absolute pure madness. Um, it's so fraud. it's fraud. It's absolutely fraud. So <laughs> so, you know, I'm not even sure where to take this. Let's let's just kind of break it down sort of piece by piece. But, you know, what are you guys' initials reactions? I don't know if you got to see sort of the 16 things of just pure insanity throughout. But, yeah. uh, you know, what were your takeaways and, and, and what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that um, obviously we're all horrified, but I think we all thought FTX was at least run like an adult company to a certain extent. Right and you know listening to sam speak before all of this all of us including sequoia thought he was an adult and running an adult company with um you know reasonable financial controls at the very least right and what we found out is you know he's basically got a ledger under his pillow at night and you know maybe maybe, it might not even be that good right so um (laughs) it's it's when when i you know with bullion I was looking at expanding it and taking user funds and I was very paranoid about the custody of all the of all the coins and things that we would be dealing with. And, uh, you know, I, I, they, they, it's like they didn't even think about it on their end. So it's it's absolutely crazy.
2: I think I think it makes it pretty obvious that, like, maybe even talking about this as crazy or madness or whatever is the wrong way to talk about it. it it's almost like pure cogent precise fraud it's like everything they did was designed to not leave a paper trail it's like they knew everything they were doing was either illegal or very very close to illegal and it just like i mean all of us kind of have you know shit on our faces now because here's this guy sam bankman fried he's like a pillar of the industry for some reason and you know, now we all have to eat his dust. And, and you know, one, where the hell did all that money go? Two, like, how did they even, you know, get through a raise? How did they even exist? Like, you know, I'm not, I'll, I'll maybe let some of you speak on it, but looking at their, like, corporate controls, looking at, you know, how they manage their business, how they managed everybody, it's like, dude, I would go insane if if I had to, like, operate even like as an employee in a business like that and it seems like it seems like it was designed just to uh commit fraud against investors and against users of the platform and it's literally like they were like "Hmm, we need more liquidity to fuel our degen bets with alameda let's make all let's make ftx let's make the most popular exchange in the world just about just so we can you know get free loans is what it seemed like to me really like off the wall
0: well, Sam was was sort of knighted as the chosen one, right? He was, you know, the WEF, the World Economic Forum, featured FTX on their website. Sequoia funded him. He was the second major uh, um, donor to the Democratic Party. Clinton and Blair came to the Bahamas for his crypto conference. Like, this guy was legitimized, right? And yeah. now we look under the hood, and I got to believe that Sequoia performed zero due diligence on him. Right. Because how, how, yeah, how could you, ridiculous. right. That's the thing. Like, how did they not know? <laughs> it's league
3: of legends. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, and yeah. then, there's
0: a, then there's a bunch of rumors and, and an email floating around that the SEC, Gary Gensler was about to knight, for b- lack of a better word, uh, FTX as the one regulated centralized exchange that he was going to approve everything through. Right. That's what this letter suggests that came out. And, um, You know, it's so he was about to be legitimized by the SEC and Gary Gensler, which is even more Uh, crazy. It's
1: it's absolutely insane. So, Nick, I want to I want to pose a question to you and get a business perspective on due diligence. So when there's things like software confirmed to conceal the misuse of funds, uh, you know, auto like like having private keys and emails like what level of due diligence do you think these these companies like you know, Sequoia and others were doing. And is that not part of a routine due diligence if you're going to do business with folks like this?
4: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, this is very difficult for me because um, I've been through this stuff. Like I, I invest in, 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 in startups. I've bought companies. I've sold companies. And, and the deals are, you know, seven figures, eight figures, right? And the level of diligence that goes into that, okay, this would never happen. So the difficulty for me is, how does this happen um, when there's so much money involved and you have the best investors in the world participating? We can all like laugh at Sequoia and they did zero due diligence. The fact is they don't do no due diligence. They have infrastructure involved. And, and it's not just about the software thing, right? Where you can hide and you can have a back door and that that's something that may not come up but things that i get asked all the time and i ask for is okay so show me the flow of funds show me the internal financial controls show me how these things are siloed so that one rogue employee cannot steal money out of the corporate bank account this is abc stuff and there's no way sequoia doesn't do this doesn't do this stuff but for some reason it's shown up in this court filing that FTX was run like a lemonade stand in the 60s. The
1: cash is in the banana stand.
4: So, I mean, I'm not power. really a conspiracy theorist. I don't buy into all that crap, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that employees would, in a Slack channel, say, hey, I need to buy this property, and then money was wired to go buy the property in their personal names. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right. Uh, 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 I, I can't understand how that would be allowed to happen unless unless the reports have just been exaggerated and are false and there's a lot of bullshit combined with the truth. So um, you know, the court filing is is a serious document, um, and, and it makes some very serious allegations about how this thing was run in a way that I just don't understand. Something that does make sense to me though is that this is obviously a criminal enterprise. There are obviously many people involved. We may know four of the five names. That can't be it. There's too much money floating around just to go through the hands of five people. Um, There's definite money laundering going on. Um, So they they went and bought property, right? $80 million worth of property in the Bahamas, great. I want the name of the entity that sold them the property. And I wanna work out where that money went. Who owned that property? Is it even real? Right. And then if you think about, well, some of these sponsorship deals, forget about the stadium. That's an obvious one and a large one and very uh, uh, visible deal. But what about all these other sponsorships that, you know, they were kind of funneling funneling money around the world? If you wanted to extract money from an enterprise and launder it, um, that's what you do. You do all these sponsorships, there'd be like a notional value of $3 million, and you'd work out how to get all that money. To whoever you wanted, so I think whether it's Sam on his own, or Sam and five buddies, or some kind of very sophisticated criminals that compromise them, they were all involved in this, and and they effectively worked out how to embezzle billions of dollars from some of the smartest investors in the world to themselves. That this isn't, this is very sophisticated guys. Like it doesn't show up in the paperwork right now, but if if what we're hearing is true, then what about what we're not hearing? Like a lot of this money has just been funneled to who the hell knows who. It's a yeah. complete, I mean, complete mean, Occam's
2: razor tells us it's either. So like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy guy. You know, I believe in the CIA's ability and the U S government's ability and every government's ability to do obscene shit. Okay. But I'm not a conspiracy guy which is like, you know, maybe not the truest statement ever, but really it's like, <laughs> I, I see what's happening as, okay, here's SBF really well connected. You've got MIT, SEC. All right. Their plan is to, you know, create a company that, that is able to leverage all these connections for the sake of regulatory arbitrage and take on the crypto market. Um, so, you know, this is the vision that SBF probably sold privately to a lot of these people is, Hey, you know, here's the gang. This makes sense as a business. We have all these connections. You know, we have, you know, someone on our team who's, you know, connected to Gary Gensler or whatever, or two people or three people, what have you. So from the outside perspective, it's like, okay, this is a big regulatory arbitrage play. Here's someone that's well positioned and well connected that we can just, you know, lift up. All right. It makes sense. Now, you know, that side, I don't think it was crazy. I think it was just people with a plan. And and that plan was probably a good plan. It just you know they couldn't account for all the lying. Um, so now we have SBF. It's like one of two things: either he's a total fraud, or he's like dumb as shit. Um, and and right now it seems like he's leaning toward the the, the total fraud side of things. Um, and you know, I just think like the simplest explanation is usually about right. And. You know, I see all these like puff pieces coming out like, oh, you know, he's, you know, such a tortured soul. He was trying so hard (laughs) to make crypto epic and amazing. And it's like, dude, you don't you can't like be a tortured soul, like the best guy ever and make mistakes and like fumble like a 50 billion dollar bag. Yeah, but that that just does not
4: compute. That makes sense. Right. And and 100 percent he was doing all these things. But. When you get an auditor in, they don't just audit your financial statements. They audit your financial controls. They audit your right. processes. They sort order of. who signs up on these things. So the idea that in a Slack channel employees said, "Hey, why me a million dollars so I can," pop, like it doesn't make sense. Did like, you see auditors- what the auditor was?
2: It was a fake yeah, audit.
4: That's another point.
2: It was like, they would dude, they probably saw this yeah.
4: and they're like, oh, dude, just
2: like my Discord audit company. This is awesome. But well, how do you I guys, it, you guys are so efficient?
0: How do you guys square the puff pieces that we've seen in the New York Times, the yep. Financial Times, which tried to pin it on CZ, right? The Financial Times is like, oh, this is poor Sam. He got tipped over by CZ. Ah, oh, that sucks, right? And then the Washington things. Post was like, Sam was trying really hard to save us all from the next pandemic. And, ah, oh, that sucks. He lost all his money, right? Like, like it was something that happened to him, not like it was something that he did, right? And all three of these, these articles were in major publications. Why are they, in a coordinated fashion,
5: puffing? Yep. I don't understand. I Um, I can, I I can, I I can answer that. It's because there's not like we're all just speculating. There's nothing that you can write up that's definitive. It's all just going to be alleged information, and mm -hmm. writing a puff piece about how some someone's fall from grace is like a clickbaity kind of article. And I guarantee you, there's going to be more stuff on him. But let's also not pretend like lots of other fraud hasn't existed in history. The guy who's the interim CEO of FTX. Presided over Enron, which was also a huge so, catastrophe of ho- fraud.
4: So like, hold on, it's Double easy
5: to, to trick people if you really can. I don't. can I
4: just let, let's Clay. Like, sorry to cut that. you off. Yeah. Let, let, let me just read <laughs> something that Forbes tweeted out two hours ago. Right, um, and there's this picture of Carolyn. She looks a lot better than what she looks in real life. And there's a, I don't know <laughs> if you can pull it up, Emmett. Oh yeah, in Emm- the Fall girl <laughs> article. <I Yeah>. Can't. <laughs> Oh and God. and this is what it says. Alameda Research CEO. Where the hell did it go? Hold on. I, I actually um, have it right here.
5: The risk-loving 29-year-old M&A. embroiled in the FTX collapse.
4: Yeah, but it says Queen Caroline. <laughs> um, it, yeah. yeah, look at that. Look at that guy's face. He's, he hasn't looked like that since he was 14. <laughs> yeah, It's it's... So, it's, it's- Double, I, I get what you're saying that they don't have any defin- anything definitive to write, but Mark brings up a good point, which is what the fuck? How does yeah. that make is sense it, right now? It's mine. if this were well, Travis Kelnik, so. I
0: guarantee you the articles would be filled with blood. Guarantee why Travis and they're also putting
3: blame for other people <laughs> yeah. as well, so that doesn't answer that neither. Like they're putting blame yeah, on CZ, I, for example. So they're quick to point finger in that direction, then you know why not? Also, so
5: family. I mean so I also I, my personal opinion is that CZ is not being entirely honest the whole like oh oops who could have possibly seen this coming that I sold all of my money and yeah. then it, like he definitely was making a business move to hurt FTX like I
4: oh, sure. I don't I don't I, think
5: he was wrong but I also don't no think question. that his tweets were like Oh, oops. Like, who could have possibly seen that coming? Like, no, I don't believe was, CZ either. I mean, just to be clear, like, I'm not like a CZ, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> apologist. Yeah, like I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just like looking at all of this through like the lens of like, these are people, like, on the you know, CZ FTX side, okay. they were people who were doing things that are benefiting them, whether it's legal or illegal. FTX, obviously, on the illegal side, it seems, and CZ doing things that are just like, you know, cutthroat business moves. In terms of like, you know, an auditor missing this, if you're really trying to trick an auditor with complex spreadsheets and technology, you know, I don't, one, if you use a fake auditor, that's going to be easy to trick that auditor because they don't care. And then two, if you're doing due diligence, you need to be qualified to do that due diligence. And you, I don't know when they were doing the due diligence. So they might have done a lot of research, looked at his past trading. All that sort of stuff when they made the call to give them money. And then I have no idea what they looked in after that, or if people were doing audits in the last week or month, or yeah. um, you I, know, I'm, looking through their books.
1: I'm with Nick, like something doesn't add up here. So if you look through the through the bankruptcy filing, no board meetings, no accounting for cash or blockchain. What <laughs> that, that is impossible. That is not possible. So like <laughs> it, you couldn't even do an audit. It's,
4: it's literally impossible. impossible.
1: Right.
2: So all right. Doesn't so it makes sense. Th-
5: this is what well, they did just this. did a fake audit. Like, I, that's I mean, what I'm this saying. Is, like this is, if someone did a bad job, does it? Like, people are underwriting people loans
2: with emails. You know, yeah. it's like, this is, this is the world we were in for the past two years. It's like, you know, the auditor, I, I bet you it was like, hey, can you send me a document that tells us what your practices are? And then they literally probably just sent over a Google Doc that had a bunch of fake processes written down in it. You know, it's like, yeah. that's not I mean, that's hard what to I do. think happened. Yeah. So and it's like you, you can literally just say, hey, we can't let you into our CRM or whatever because, you know, it's high security. Epic. We're experience. underestimating human we're psychology is.
3: and and the, the it's just social that engineering. It's like well. the same. Yeah. Social engineering are excellence for sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: It's, it's why these puff pieces are coming out, because FTX or, or, or SBF like did his song and dance for all these big publications and for all these people. He was lionized by them. They have egg on their face now. And, and, you know, they probably took some money or they probably made some money. And, you know, now they're kind of embroiled in this giant battle because, you know, if you took money and now everything's getting clawed back, keep in mind, I don't know how clawbacks work, but, um, you know, it, it's <laughs> yeah. like all, all you can do is say face and all you can do is be like, oh, this guy's, you know, change public sentiment using all your strength so that your firm, your publication doesn't look like shit because they all look yeah. like shit right now. And it, so they're like backpedaling. An-
1: it's like an episode of Shit's Creek when he's like, and he's talking about write-offs. And he's like, who's going to do the write-off? He's like, I don't know, the write-off people. Like, they just had no clue what's actually going on. So, but, but so, so Double Sharp said something earlier. We got to go backwards. So uh, in this filing, so this guy's name is John J. Ray third. So he's the new FTX CEO, right? Never in my career have I seen such complete failure of corporate controls and such complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here, John J. Ray fine, I think that we can all agree with that statement that, that there's nothing shocking or, or to talk about there. But what's weird to me is who is like so who is John J. Ray, right? So let me let me pull this up. So because I was like, well, that I don't think that's the dude from the Enron stuff because I remember that wasn't his actual name. And so we I, I a
2: capital I, tweet.
1: <laughs> so so yeah, so, So, like, pull this up, right? There's very little information on this guy. If you Google John J. Ray, this is the only shit that you get. Some, some something from light message, you know, whatever, whatever this happens to be. Let's see. Uh, Welcome to Ray of Light Training, John Joseph Ray. It sounds like a super fake name, right? But there is a guy uh, who's actually a Harvard Law School graduate, 20 year professional in the law you know, profession, John H. Ray, the third, who helped lead an associate uh, team in representing Enron Kenneth lay post conviction, uh, uh proceedings. And so there's this guy, he exists. So as if you
4: needed like, yeah, but, like. Yeah, but Clay in, in, in the court, in the court filing. <laughs> and I, and I quote, this is the guy talking. I have supervised situation involving allegations of criminal activity and malfeasance. And then in, in, in brackets, Enron. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're two different people. He, he didn't mention anything about defending Ken Lay, who was the CFO. No, he was the CEO of, en- yeah. R- Those of are en- Enron. Those were two separate
2: but- John Rays. There were two John Rays involved with Enron.
4: There's John J. Ray and
2: John H. Ray, which is why it's really confusing. So, that John J. Ray, it's, it, I swear to yeah. God, like two guys unwinding Enron, uh, both <laughs> John named J. and John H. Um, All right.
3: But, seems, I mean,
2: I mean John Ray is a common yeah. name. You know, it's like, we're again, like going back to Occam's ways or like, how can we maintain clarity of thought? It's like, like, I mean, Bonds could probably tell us better than anyone. Like you introduce any element of randomness or you introduce any element of humanity. And like, let's say to a mathematical equation, let's say say you're trying to like figure out how something works. You introduce a tiny element of randomness and suddenly it explodes with errors, you know, And, and that's what's happening right now. It's like you know, humanity is, is just acting out and unwinding in the way humanity does, which always seems conspiratorial because to a certain extent, it's just like, it's, it's people making business deals. It's people shaking hands. It's people kind of being on the same page and then everything blowing up. And now everybody is still kind of on the same page in the same mind space, like human beings are bugs, like to a certain extent. I mean, you know, we have our, our, our gray matter, white matter, whatever. We're like super smart bugs, but like, the the hive mind mentality is real if you've ever seen someone scroll through TikTok, you know and looked at the metrics over their shoulder you know that everybody's doing about the same stuff and thinking about the same way and i think like there's a lot of shitty fraud going on internal to ftx and there's a lot of the same social engineering happening around ftx and because everybody was getting socially engineered the same way they're all on the same page and they're all operating kind of in the same like defense mode um that's my assumption that's you know i have to do this so i don't become schizophrenic but uh.
1: (laughs) so so here's one question (laughs) that we can all answer and it's not speculative and it's not anything else it's it's well i I guess it's an opinion but uh knowing what we know now seeing this absolute shit show that that was running this way if and when the markets recover is this a good thing long term for the space that this came out now the way that it did uh and we've you know, that regulation will probably come because of it and that we're going to be in a totally different spot moving forward. That this exchange has now ceased to exist and this guy hopefully ceased to
5: exist. I think... think Go ahead.
0: Yeah, so here, this is what I see. And, and, And at the risk of being conspiratorial, I'm going to say it anyway. So based on evidence, and the evidence I have is a letter from Chair, you know, basically about Chair Gensler's meeting with FTX, so there's basically a letter from 42922, uh, and it says that Chair Gensler met with the staff of FTX to discuss many things, including unique risks associated with custody of digital asset securities and the conditional no-action relief discussed in the statement. Total speculation, but it does look like Chair Gensler was looking tonight. FTX as the sole choke point for all of crypto. If you listen to SPF. Prior to this blow up, he was arguing that DeFi was going to have to all be KYC, which would have effectively killed it if that had happened from a regulatory perspective.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: we were moving towards a world where everything, everything was being corralled towards FTX as the common choke point, And probably CZ and Binance would have been marginalized, possibly blown out of existence. So that was the timeline we were headed towards until this explosion. Now FTX is dead and SPF is in trouble and CZ and Binance are is the largest player and the sole survivor. So uh, yes. so are we better off? I think we are because I think we were headed for a buzzsaw. I think we're in for a rough time. Yeah. But I do think the timeline did just get better.
2: I, I don't even think that's conspiratorial, Mark. I think that's just a fair assessment. It's like, you know, Gensler obviously wanted FTX to win because Gensler had what he thought was some level of control over FTX. And, and he thought through that, he could get the regulations he wanted, he could get everything he wanted. And, you know, um, now that it's exploded, DeFi market share goes up, great. Uh, you know, I like, good. I, I hope every centralized exchange explodes, except whatever is the cheapest off ramp for me, um, you know. It, it, and, Hopefully eventually Subway will accept more cryptocurrencies and you know, <laughs> we can just all eat Subway every day and we can, you know, use Subway as a bank account and that's just how it goes. I'm excited for that future.
1: All
5: right. Uh, double shot, what are you gonna say? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just gonna say I don't think like net that it's good that this happened. Like it would be better if it hadn't happened overall and if you know all of the things that we that Mark was just talking about like weren't going to play out and all that. But if you know if that is you know given that it was um full of fraud and that there were all these regulations coming out of a company that was full of fraud and so on and so forth i definitely think it's like net better to have this out in the open like it's it's (laughs) it's not like fun or good but like it i always like sort of err on the more information you have the better um and you know it's to some extent i think it happening now when the market is already depressed um you know it, it in some ways actually kind of minimizes some of the impact because everything is already so so impacted by everything else um mm-hmm. but you know i think I, I don't think it'll be you know i also don't think it's like the it, it's really bad and it's really bad for a lot of people i don't think it's the end of the world and as a lot of people have pointed out ftx wasn't it was a centralized company that was full of fraud just like lots of other centralized companies in the history have been full of fraud. Uh, So it's actually not really a crypto, like it's crypto adjacent, but I don't necessarily know that like this is um, bad for crypto in the long term once people actually understand what happened. And I do think, I mean, I was just sort of clicking around like on the New York Times and some other sites like, some of the articles are puff pieces, some of them call SBF a disgrace and some of like, it's kind of all over the place. So I think it's going to, it partially just depends on which articles you're reading. Like, I don't necessarily Mm. know that anyone's saying um, he's amazing at this point. Um, And I do think that like the points that, that Beavis made of like these, he did have a relationship with a lot of these publications and reporters. And so they are sort of changing, like just, thinking of them as people and they had this like opinion of SPF that was wrong. And now all these people are sort of changing their opinion of him. It seems so.
1: I, I think you're and too high. You're, in my opinion, you're too high on the reporting. I got to move us on guys. Let's let's there's, there's other no! clown, other clown show stuff going on. Uh Jacob, I agree with you, bro. Jimmy John's is the best getting an Italian nightclub, add hot peppers. Subscribe to the chance. black
2: bites newsletter. <laughs> That's where I got the subway thing. From. I'm not a lunatic. I promise
1: uh so the, the, the security and exchange commission like this is this is this is insane so the security and exchange commission of the bahamas takes the the assets that were inside ftx uh and, and effectively says you need to give them to us um so you know effectively the powers as regulator acting under the authority of an order made by the supreme court of the Bahamas the most supreme court in all the land took the action and direction of the transfer of digital assets of FTX, a uh, digital wallet controlled by the commission for safekeeping. So um, they waited <laughs> five days, five days yeah. to make a pub- public announcement that this came out. This actually, I think this surfaced from a Vox Interview from SBF, which is absolutely mind blowing that A, this happened, and B, that they, they waited five days to, to release the information. So, uh, what do you guys make of this? And how do you think this is going to play out against, you know, they filed for Chapter 11 in the US? So, clearly, we have some conflicting court, you know, opinions that are about to be uh, upon us. And now this information's come out. So, what do you guys none think? Of
4: this makes, Clay, none of this makes sense. First of, all, <laughs> first, of all, first of all, SBF admitted he talked about a hack right? Like he said, there was a hack. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's the first thing that I don't know that he did on Twitter. He said, okay. Yeah. He said, so, so the story that it wasn't a hack and it was the Bahamian government government seizing the funds. <laughs> I don't know. The other thing is, there's only well, the, one there entity was also di-
5: Sorry to interrupt, but th- that was different days also. The hack was on the 11th, and the Bahamas is saying they seized it on the 12th, which doesn't... like. I think that okay. there's some Twitter stuff going on. I don't necessarily know that that hack and what the Bahamas seized are the same funds because they, and, they and were on different
4: days. Only one entity named, which is FTX Digital Markets Limited. That's it. So did these guys just take like 100 grand from one wallet? Like, uh, it, it doesn't... I don't think it's the big deal everyone's making it out to be. On, on, on Twitter, the, the, the implication seems to be that um, the hack was the government. I don't think that's true at all. And yeah. so if it's not that, well, then they did see some money. <gasps> Great. Well, how much money was in FTX Digital Markets Limited? Um, and so I don't know if this is a big deal. I think it just might be a little bit of flexing by the Bahaman, Bahamian government saying, hey, we're not sleeping at the wheel, we're doing something. So I think it actually might be a nothing burger. Um, well, if, if they seize $400 million, they'd say we seized $400 million. When they say we seized money and we're, we're acting, we're trying to protect customers, but they don't put a number on it, I think it's 100 grand. 200 grand,
2: dude. Government so, bodies can't even make a website, you know. You expect them to figure out how to freaking hack all that money out of, out of FTX? No way.
4: Well, I think I the mean, story was North
5: Korean websites they, aren't that amazing, they hack a lot of well,
2: stuff. Oh, well, I guess that's true. I guess they're 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 you know, black ops cybersecurity arms. Probably wasn't the story that, but, uh, that,
4: the, that the government um leaned on SBF. Yep. And forced him to transfer the funds to the government. That's a story I heard. Yes.
5: That's, that's a story that's yeah. on but that's that these are things that are getting posted on Twitter. Like we're this is again going back to it. Like we actually don't know. We're reading stuff no, that's on Twitter and like sharp.
1: That's what he said in the in the Vox article. Like this was no, yeah, this is he's, he's
5: not a reliable he, guy. So. He's not he, a reliable narrator. narrator. But also yeah. he's like, he's not reliable. He said it, they were hacked yeah. and maybe they were the Twilight, but Again, so. like the, the Bahamas. Said that they seized this on the 12th. FTX said they got hacked on the 11th. So it could be just a coincidence that this happened. I also think, in terms of the Bahamas, like if people are incorporating in the Bahamas and they're operating under Bahamanian law and like that's how the Bahamas operates, then I like, I don't, I think that that's sort of like the thing that FTX and everyone who was using FTX signed up for by using a company incorporated in a country that does that. In, on the US side, there's like all the clawback of funds in Chapter 11. Like the US has their own you know, process for dealing with all of that. So I am not familiar with Bahamian law, but it, I mean, to me, I don't think, I don't that think they hacked anybody. anybody. And I don't, and I think I'll have that they're you know, know I read four tweets
2: they, and therefore I'm a preeminent expert. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Welcome to uh, Twitter, I,
5: I, SPF experts.
2: So yeah, yeah. Let me just <laughs> But one thing that, that guys, I have 10 degrees from Twitter.com. Don't mess <laughs> go, with me. Go ahead, Mark.
0: In, the old, in that box um, article, SPF himself, remember, he's talking to a friend. He doesn't think that these, uh, that these texts are going to ever get published. So he says a lot of stuff he wouldn't normally say. One of the things he says is, yeah, I lie because that's what you do. You need to do it to get ahead. So he's come out and told us that he is a liar, right? Directly. So he is fully unreliable as a narrator.
4: Yeah. The other thing to remember is like Governments like to take credit for stuff. So when there's a drug bust, it might be like five kilos of coke, which is nothing. They'll hold a press conference. (laughs) They'll put the coke (laughs) on the table. There'll be 18 people in full dress uniform saying, "We did this." (laughs) So when you just get this, and that's the coke that they keep them.
3: And when you see this (laughs) one piece of paper saying,
4: "We're saving user funds," I'm like, "You didn't save shit." Because you would have told us if you actually saved something. That's why I think it's a nothing burger and just posturing.
1: Okay. All right. Well, there, there we have it. So we'll see, what, we'll see what comes of it. If it is a something burger, then the U.S. government with the <laughs> chapter level filing for bankruptcy are obviously going to have some conflicts of, uh, to resolve here with the, with the Bahamian government. Um, will just make government. another
4: point on, on clawbacks because we've mentioned it a couple of times. In the Bernie Madoff case, it was a, a legendary uh, New York lawyer, I forget his name. He actually clawed back about seventy-five percent of what he could from people that Madoff and his, you know, his organization transferred out um, before oh. they declared bankruptcy. So clawbacks are a thing, and and there is certainly a lot of precedent about how to do that. But you're dealing with a U.S. entity, and you know this high-profile case, and the people that Madoff sold from were very, very powerful people. It wasn't. A, a a bahamian orgy you know incorporated you know with a, with a, with a pencil so i don't know <laughs> what happens next but clawbacks are a thing um if, if if the corporation's a real deal which, I mean, which Madoff's was
2: and
1: all Dude, this should be I, on
2: chain I, like, I, I i'm i'm scared of like like blockchain forensic forensics are just like okay right now you know like Tracking all this money, like through Tornado Cash, through all this stuff, it's like, how? You know, Um, I mean, I know it's possible. I know they can do it, especially with enough time and diligence and effort. But like if you're if you're laundering Ethereum through Tornado Cash, that is so hard to track. It's It's over. It's possible. It's just like it, it will take. It, it will take a lot. It, it's just like some. Sometimes I was wondering, like, who the hell? Like, Tornado Cash had a lot of volume for a while, and I was like, why? Like, what's everybody doing? And I, I get the need for privacy, but, but now it's like, oh, that level of fraud was going on. Okay, now, now I understand. And it's like, I, I, I wish, I wish them luck. And you know, part of me, like, the people that are going to get hit by these clawbacks, I feel like, are going to be like the the startups that got all this freaking money um anyone who's got any left yeah we're we're
1: gonna get into get who got hit by the clawbacks uh on number four topic of this four-part thing that we're doing i guess but like do you think anything's gonna happen guys like the, the next topic is political donations you guys already mentioned the mainstream media fluff and and we we were able to to pull up uh you know this this wonderful article that was just released on queen caroline uh, and how she was embroiled in the FTX collapse, not actually a reason for the FTX collapse. But, like, you're seeing this all over the like all over the news, all over the TV. It's always – it's the same kind of reporting. We it's know that – two different as, things.
4: Clay, it's, well, it's two different things. The, the, the media writing <coughs> bullshit, which this clearly is, is one thing. Politicians going out and protecting a guy that stole money is another thing. The politicians are going to cave. They're going to come down on this guy – like you've never wow. seen. This whole idea that they received money and now they're going to protect him, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to because he's politicians... He's broke now.
2: <laughs>
4: well, yeah, first of all, he's, he's broke. Got but, but politicians answer to constituents. People are on the phone. I lost money. So you're not going to see a politician, you haven't yet and you won't, get out there and say, I support this guy. He did everything right. He tried his best. We should, we should have mercy on his soul. Never happened. Won't happen. Even if they took the money and I'm sure they took the money. Um, yeah,
1: well, if, unless he has skeletons in the closet about a lot of folks that we don't know and like things like be. this give me pause. Like if this is the, if this is the <clears throat> company you keep which obviously it had become uh, it gives me pause and, and I'm not going to uh, double that, shutter, that's like, an edited
5: oh. just. That's an edited screenshot. Like I, this is what I'm talking about. It being on Twitter. Like that's there were a lot. I looked into that. I actually clicked through and like looked at that conference. Those were four out of a lot of presenters. And two weeks ago, everyone would have been super happy to have all those people at their conference. So like, screenshotting four people, putting them together, posting it on Twitter to make <laughs> it seem like the New York Times is having this conference <laughs> with these four people and charging twenty four hundred dollars is you, obvious shutter. propaganda. Like and, yeah, everyone, everyone, you're so everything you're reading, people have agendas and Justin's right. You know, and you can find what you're
4: looking for if you look, if you want, just, the good Justin. just, to, just to pull on your, thread, <laughs> right. So, so, okay. So, so you're a Senator. Yeah. And you took money from this criminal and he has something on you, right? You're not afraid and- of that guy anymore because he's a criminal. His credibility is lost. Sam can stand up there in court and say, I bribed this guy and I bribed that guy and I bribed that guy. And the senators are going to say he's lying. No, you didn't. He's been a liar all his life. (laughs) This guy has no leg to stand on. They're going to crucify him if they find him. Why
0: is he unarrested so far? Thank you.
4: I that, the the Bahamian government must be protecting. Why is Suzy unarrested
1: States. or Joe Kwan? There's Alex Mischinsky. None of these people have been arrested, including SBF, and it boggles my mind. So, Nick, when you when you say that this is, they're going to come down on him, I, I disagree. And double sharp, when you tell me that the, these people aren't in bed with with this guy, I. Yeah thousand percent disagree and why um, was he
3: trying to run to the bahamas like, I mean, th- to the
1: Bahamas, to thi- Dubai. things you know things like this when you're going around washington taking pictures with the same person who is investigating you this is who's running the u.s oh, house yeah. senate investigation and oh and i'm not pictures. i'm not
5: saying that they're not yeah, but- they're not like in bed with each other i'm just saying that like that tweet that you put up was an edited thing that obviously had an agenda <laughs> gotcha. behind yeah, it yeah, yeah. um like i i'm not saying that there's not like Tons of nefarious things, and then backdoor deals, and it's all super sketchy. I totally agree. This is that. like this is
2: like Bay of Pigs, except on crypto <laughs> instead of Cuba. Clay, Clay,
4: <laughs> there, yeah. there, there is there is precedent here. Taking a photo with whoever you took a photo with, even giving them money and saying they're in bed together, great. But once someone gets exposed as a fraud and a criminal, everyone runs. And there's precedent here. There's been a lot of cases in the US where you know um, known organized crime figures had a lot of people under their thumb. And as soon as the politicians got a little bit of leverage on these people, they threw them to the wolves, right? You only work with them when you have to. Once that person's credibility is destroyed, you distance yourself and say, yeah, I took a photo with that guy, but that's all I did, right? I didn't even know his name when I took the photo. You can look at what everyone's <laughs> talking about with this Epstein stuff.
3: Yeah, I yeah. never knew
4: that guy. He came up to me to, to think. So, you know, the photos don't mean shit. Even, even if they have receipts of, like, if, if SBS goes, I gave this much to this senator and this much to this senator, the senator throws their hands up and say, we use that money to help education. We use that money to get this passed. And we use that money to get that passed. The politicians are not in bed with him. They're going to run for the hills. That, because okay. that, that's, how they, that's how they survive. They've got elections coming up. Who's going to vote for the guy that stands up and says SPF wasn't that bad? So that's the calculus in yeah. the politician's yeah. mind. I'll if he wasn't in any danger, ahead, then why would he try ahead, to
3: run? That's the other thing. So I feel but like. Did he?
1: Well, I don't think he did. He Where did you get Bahamas? that information?
3: To, to Dubai. That's why he. That's why he, he that. that's no, that's why the other guy. The that's the yeah. other guy. But I, that's, I mean, yeah.
5: all of this is just like tweets and screenshots no, of tweets. He's still in the Bahamas.
3: And no, I'm not saying it? that he's not. I'm saying that they held him in the Bahamas because he was a flight risk. That's why he was under, oh. under that's why he was being watched. That's why he, he probably was it, it,
4: it's I mean, a flight risk. It's, no. it's a bad look for the Bahamian government to let him escape if they had him. So your first thing you do is you go and say, you can't leave the country. They take his passport. Because if you do, everyone's going to blame us that we let you go. So that's kind of what you do if you're running the Bahamian government. You're like, hey, hey, this could get really ugly for us. This guy can't leave. Let's work it out. So I think that's yep. why. But he's he's obviously going to try and flee wherever he thinks he's going to have the most support. Uh, and this whole idea that you can't get extradited from Dubai is fucking bullshit. It happens all the well, time. If you're actually, bad enough, it happens all the uh, time. Until
5: February of this year, you actually couldn't be extradited from Dubai to the United States. I, I was looking into that. So it was February of this year is when they passed yeah, an extradition agreement with the United States. So in the so that's, past, that's like they still idea. could have done it, but now they definitely will do it. Same with yeah, I think. You know, I think
2: really this is all about like the the kind of end of the narrative here is you know you've got DoQuan, you've got like Suzu or whatever his name you. is, you've got Kyle Davies, and now Alex uh, with SBF, they can have like a full doubles match uh, in prison. So I think this is really just about filling out the roster so that. Um, when they are playing tennis in prison um, and eating caviar and whatnot, uh, it can be really balanced, um, and they can like run an actual round robin. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited for that. Uh, you know, I, I bet, and and I can't wait for them to come out in three years and say prison's a, a cakewalk. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, mar- the fantasy more mysterious- league. Mark Shreley is so hard. You know, he played tennis in prison really? for
4: a while. Uh, Mark- <laughs> oh, dude, prison is the another easiest point? thing
2: ever. Yeah, yeah. Go for
4: it. I want to make another point here. So this guy went around and conned some of the smartest people in the world and the most powerful people in the world. And then he got increasingly desperate as things got tougher. So what usually happens then is you start going down the pecking order and you look for money um, in other places. And you start conning people that aren't the sequoias and 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 the politicians so to think that he didn't take money from some you know yet to be named heavy hitters in in global organized crime, I think would be kind of silly um, if he took money from <clears throat> the sequoias of the world as he got desperate, I think he took money from a lot of other people and these people don't need the courts so you know, his life is probably in danger, um, which I don't know if he's walking around the Bahamas and going to the supermarket, like, you know, DoubleShark keeps pointing out. We don't know if that's real. We don't know if that photo is, isn't. Yeah, it could have been a month That's ago. just Twitter,
3: Double yeah. DoubleShark. That's just Twitter. But
4: yeah, yeah. But I I've had a picture of someone holding a or on their hand, so, and I think yeah. that's SPF. So. Like, Sharp. I, I, I've, I, I've had experience with people that, you know, were legit, they were businessmen, they'd go to the banks, they borrow money, they come and borrow money from friends and family and they just keep going down the pecking order until they end up, you know, in the basement of an underground casino borrowing money from the worst people in the city because that's what happens. That's how these things progress. So I think this guy's in a lot of trouble and, and ultimately who gets him is, is <laughs> it's kind of a race now, um, which is a terrible thing. Uh, to occur, but um, someone's going to want their pound of flesh and someone's oh. going to get it.
5: So there's
0: one really look, interesting factoid Close us here. out, Mark. Yeah, close so really interesting factoid here. We've talked about Sequoia and you know, all the people who did invest in him. A16Z did not invest in him. So, and they, and, which is odd, right? Because they were investing in kind of everybody and everything in crypto for a while, especially the major things. So, for whatever reason, uh, Andreessen Horwitz did not like FTX and SPF. They stiffed them out. Elon, now we don't know, you know, who knows if this is true or not, but Elon says that SPF tried to give him money and in uh, Elon's bullshit detector, as he tells it, went off like screaming. And he basically was like, he doesn't have the money. I don't think it's, I don't think this guy's real. So, I refuse his money into Twitter. So, you know, Elon would also not do business with him. So we do have two parties. Save that, them
5: some money. Yeah.
0: yeah. So we do have we do have yeah. two parties that like did detect something with Sam where everyone else was fooled, which is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> There's another
2: tweet and sometimes I wonder thread. whether Sam was just His a hand, hand, hand with a zero tin on it. Yeah, hand. just
4: a tears <laughs> on channel. It's not Sam. Hey, hey Mark, did you see did you see the thread from the VC that um that basically said I was the first investor um, that they approached and I knocked him back for these reasons. And Sam actually tweeted about this guy a year later saying, this is a horrible VC that drove me nuts. Um, did, did you see that thread? I, I, if you're talking about Chamath, I, I don't know if it's the no. same one.
0: No, oh, no I did not Alex- see that
4: thread then. The Chamath thread is the one it's, I saw. It's Alexander Pack, if you want to pull it up, Clay. Alexander Pack, um, he had, a, he had a thread basically saying why he wasn't involved. He asked, for, he, he asked questions around the, the difference between Alameda and FTX. The answers he got were subpar. And he said, we're out on these grounds. And then a year later, SPF wrote a thread about this, this kind of nightmare VC that hounded him for information that was above, ab- above and beyond. And now he's come out of the woodwork saying, yeah, I knew everything because it was obvious yep. to me. So I think there's a lot of investors that passed. Um, and that's probably what happened with, with the, look, when you do a lot of these deals, a lot of it, you can do your due diligence. You can look at the business plan. You can look at the numbers, but there is a very large element of, do I believe this person? Because you're not investing on what is today. You're investing on their ability to execute 24, 36, five years down the track. Right. And, and so you need to th- think to yourself does this person, do I believe that this person have what has what it takes to pull this off? And sometimes the answer is no, for a lot of different reasons. So the fact that, you know, maybe that's what happened with, with, with Andreessen. Maybe the partner there said, eh, I'm not sure. Uh, it, they actually said what happened. They never did
5: due diligence. Um, they taught, They like had a conversation with them. The fact that they didn't have a traditional board of directors and were headquartered outside of the, the U.S., were non starters. And so they never went past that.
4: Because they've that's got what protocols that's, in place. Like, like Shamath said, said. Shamath said the same thing. He said, yes. I met with them. I sent them a two pager. The first thing I said is, you need a board of directors. Because that's like the bar. Yeah. They're you don't responsible. Have a board of- go
0: fuck yourself. Literally.
4: Yeah. yeah. Like,
0: not even metaphorically.
5: I mean, I, I think that what happened with all of the like due diligence or lack thereof is like bull market stuff of everyone was, I mean, people. We're doing this all over the place of like throwing money into things without like doing proper like diligence. It sounds like a 16 Z stuck to yeah. there. Like here's some of the things that we require to invest in. And a lot of other people apparently didn't and were like, I need to get on this, this train or it's going to leave you behind and like threw money in and like, we really need to do due diligence, Sam. Don't worry about it. Here's a random spreadsheet. Okay, like that. I guess that's good. I don't want to like miss out on that. Like, I think it was FOMO for a lot of people and like they yeah. didn't do the You're right work that they should have done.
4: You're right, Justin.
5: I got to move it it on, oh. <laughs> us on,
4: guys.
1: Uh, Moving us on. So, Gemini, Genesis... Multicoin, like let's talk about the actual collateral damage here. Um, So Genesis, global capital pause, new loans and redemptions, 175 million that they had in FTX. Um, They basically served institutional clients to the tune of 2.8 billion in active loans in the third quarter of 2022. So pretty massive partner. Multicoin, same deal. One of the largest investment managers in the sector, Um, 55% of their capital gone. Um, So you know, what do you guys think are the overarching impacts to the space with these lenders basically going under when, you know, they were giving out loans, you know, left, right and forward to to help grow the space? Um, and I guess we'll just start there. Like, where, where do you think this goes? It, you know, it seems like I'll be brief.
4: Yeah. With the exception of Coinbase, because they're a listed entity um, and and, you know, I put them in a separate category. Um and, and, and maybe, you know, the DCG business as well, with the exception of those two, I think of the entire space right now as one balance sheet. That's how commingled all this stuff is. Um, they've taken $100 and they've kind of spun it up to $500 and they've all shared it amongst themselves. So, you know, that's basically what I wanted to say. I mean, contagion here, contagion there. there's contagion everywhere. Everyone's touched in some shape or form. And and this is going to not this is like a three month thing where you're going to find everything out. Let's not forget, FTX blowing up is contagion from Luna and 3AC. So what what's what's a time period there? Seven months, six months, yeah. right? And they were able to kick the can down the road. So you're going to keep hearing these things, you know, in your notes here, Clay, around, you know, uh, um, this does not affect Genesis trading or custody. Importantly, it doesn't affect the business operations of DCG or any wholly wholly owned subsidiaries. I don't believe any of that. I don't believe any of it, <laughs> Yeah. because um, all of this is intertwined. There, there's there's dependencies all over the place. Um, whether it's the VCs or 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 you know something like Genesis or Gemini, who knows? We can't believe any of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was trying to, I mean, the last last rate I did plug with a guy named Fred Krueger, who was a Wall Street guy uh, before he became a tech entrepreneur. We were trying to quantify sort of the Luna destruction fest versus the FTX destruction fest. Luna, we, you know, I don't know if this is right. This is obviously us trying to figure it out. Um, We sort of arrived at 80 billion as, you know, roughly the number that Luna caused, not including FTX. Um, FTX was sort of a $10 billion destruction fest with some tertiary, um, contagion that we don't really understand fully yet, but, you know, call it another 10 billion just to sort of give it a number. So, you know, if that's right, then it's about, you know, it's about a quarter of the size of the Luna destruction fest. And so, um, so it, it, it's quite a bit smaller in terms of the, the raw dollar, uh, value of it, but it's psychologically bigger. I think I think it I think it I think people's brains hurt more from this one uh, and their hearts hurt more from this one, especially people in the space. And I think regulators took bigger notice of this one. So I think the psychological impact is much, much, much larger. And, you know, uh, you guys might be right. There might be a lot more to come that we're just not seeing yet. And this is a secondary effect of Luna. That was an excellent point. Absolutely true.
1: Yeah. Do do you guys think Coinbase is the biggest winner in all of this? So like, for instance, whatever is left of multi coins assets, they've moved everything to a a Coinbase custodial account. Um, So if there is such a thing as a
4: winner in this scenario, do you think it's Coinbase? It's 11 billion market cap right now. Put that into context. SBF thinks he's going to raise 8 billion in two weeks. You can buy all of Coinbase right now for 15 billion if you made a tender offer. And Brian accepted it, which he won't. But it's (laughs) insane. Um, so look, if you want to participate today, Coinbase, Coinbase looks pretty good if they don't go bankrupt. Um, yeah. you know, I don't think they will because they have access to capital markets as a listed company. Um, in fact, the play might be to buy the bonds, um, that are trading at 60 cents on the dollar, yielding about 16% right now. Um, and so that might be the play, but yeah, maybe Clay, maybe, maybe a lot of institutions go, hey, we've had enough of this, uh, this you know wild west we're going going to go with coinbase so there's certainly not a loser long term um and 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 brian's done a really good job throughout this whole thing he's come across very professional uh very measured in his comments hasn't been dunking on people like cz Mm -hmm. Uh, not that i think cz's done anything wrong but brian's a real deal he's running a real business and and he's playing the long game so He should be rewarded for for those characteristics that he's displayed. Yeah. Double sharp. You
1: look
5: like Um, you were going to say something. Go ahead, Beavis. uh, I mean, the only thing I was going to say is I think it's a a later topic, but I I think Binance does come out um, better than they were before, like in terms of market share, I guess, because they're still around and seemingly strong. Um, Coinbase is mainly just going to be in the US market. So there's the whole international market to consider also, because FTX was involved with both, primarily ninety-five
1: um, percent, right, international. Yeah,
5: and I, and I but I think like ultimately the winner is non-centralized exchanges because that seems to be what the focus is, or or just non, not putting your money in any of those things. Like a, a lot of people are, you know, looking into custody, you know, having their own custody of their funds in their wallet or um, using DeFi protocols instead of of centralized exchanges. So I think that that's really the the real winner is, is decentralized stuff.
2: Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I, I think Coinbase just like having circle in their back pocket. Um, it just gives them kind of like a, a level of resiliency. I think people will underestimate like this is for most Americans and honestly, most of the world, the only way to access uh cryptocurrency with fiat or the, or the most efficient way by far. And so, you know, Coinbase is, is especially as, and and keep in mind, I'm not like a financial advisor or anything. Um, and this
1: isn't financial advice.
2: And exactly. Or <laughs> life <laughs> <lot of> advice. <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as as interest rates rise and, and Circle is sitting on this massive, massive, massive pile of U.S. dollars, you know, depositors on Coinbase are getting what, 0.1%? And, you know, the 30-year interest rate is, what, 4.5?
4: You know, they're generating,
2: like, billions of dollars a year uh, just hanging out. And I know Circle is not Coinbase. Coinbase is not Circle, technically speaking. But, like, that's a good-ass business. Uh, That is a (laughs) good, good, good business. And, like, Tether as well, it's like yeah it, it's you know these these are the banks of the future and USdc people underestimate how absolutely vital USdc is like like the circle API is going to like underpin banking like in the next 30 40 50 years like forever onward and I I just coinbase is dope uh, someone like was was circulating I do not I don't I don't like the word fud but circulating like a tweet where they took a bunch of words from like uh a rep- like a podcast out of context from the coinbase ceo it's like Coinbase mentions bankruptcy as a possibility um like and and, and <clears throat> you know for a split second i was like what and then you know I, I shared it and nick was like that's stupid and i was like it is stupid coinbase is awesome so and compare that to the coverage of that's insane too. Anyway, sorry. yeah, Go ahead. Com- compared yeah to it's madness. But Coinbase, you know, DeFi, Binance, I see like Binance dominating the international scene, Coinbase dominating the, the American scene um, and yeah. DeFi benefiting from everything. It's like, you know, as, as these entities grow, who are committed to being the number one on ramp to DeFi and being the number one on ramp and off ramp for crypto, DeFi wins, crypto wins. And, and I think that's like. People need to realize on-ramping and off-ramping is the real use case. Like, like as, as Ethereum and DeFi grows, like, that's the cool thing that's happening. is the on-ramping and the off-ramping. Because, like, who gives a shit about, you know, trading on a centralized exchange? Like, long-term, as DeFi gets better and better and better and, and becomes part of the norm, on-ramping get, gets easier. I think, you know, that's the narrative. And, and margin lending is just going to continue getting better. And when you're margin lending in DeFi, you know that you know, it's not just like, you know, paper, um, you know, that like, there's actually risk involved, like to the LPs and to you, it's not just, you know, notional numbers being thrown around. And I think that, that as people keep getting burned or people are going to gravitate toward that narrative. It's like, here's, here's realism. Like this is what is actually possible with secure, fully collateralized finance instead of just, the same hundred dollars being spread as absolutely thin as possible.
4: Um, but
2: yeah, <laughs> well, defi, Coinbase,
4: the, Dope, Binance Dope. Wh- while I agree with you, those of us that traded on on Binance and FTX um, didn't. We did it out of convenience, right? First of all, you can't trade online in any significant size for 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 the cost that it would that you know you could do it for on Binance. You had a lot yeah. more options. The way that I do it anyway, right, when we're talking about actually trading, not, you know, buy something and hold on to it or LP, when you're coming in and out of positions and you're trying to hedge a book and construct a portfolio, uh, Binance and FTX had all of that infrastructure and those tools available. I can't do any of that on chain today, right? Yeah. So I think the decision it's between- It's not it is isn't it, is it ready. So, you know, and maybe this accelerates it. Um, and, you know, my hope is that, it does accelerate it, but there aren't shortcuts taken on the security front, and we end up getting yeah. rugged or, or, or exploded for, <laughs> for, for billions of dollars because um, it's a hard problem to solve. But really, you know, it was it was just very convenient and and familiar. The same kind of strategies yeah. and tactics and and interfaces and tools that we had in TradeFi, we had on Binance and and and, and FTX. So, you know. Um, Hurry up and build some cool shit, man! Because I'm on the sidelines because I don't trust any of these things. Yeah, yeah
2: I was. I, I I had a talk um, early, early, early on in my career as part of the Colonel Fellowship with the CEO of Jump Capital, um, and he said the only thing that we need to grow and and dominate in DeFi, liquidity. Capital efficiency, like liquidity is not deep enough for big players, institutions, sovereign wealth funds, really anybody in size to participate unless they're a bag holder and they're willing to take on like the insane slippage fees. You know, that's the reality. Um, and beyond that, like TradFi exists on like another world of capital efficiency, like they're able to take things to an insane level um, that we unfortunately cannot yet. Uh, So all I've got to say is Granary V2, the future of finance. We're going to be the J.P. Morgan crypto, enough said. But, yeah, we're we're, we're getting there.
0: So I just want two very big points. Number one, uh, it cannot be overstated how resilient DeFi as a whole has shown itself to be over all of 2022. It has not broken It survived the the worst possible conditions, the biggest possible, you know, multiple black swans. And it did so with flying colors. It just worked. Um, That said, your average human out there doesn't understand that, doesn't Mm. give a shit at all. What Joe 386 pack needs is something like Coinbase, which provides two things, a web wallet, right? Where they just log in, they don't have to mess around with MetaMask, or Ledger, or whatever, they just log into something, you know, that feels like Gmail and their stuff is there. And that's all they really understand. So something like that, that's also secure. And that's, of course, very difficult, but that's what they need. And the second thing is the Fiat on and off ramps. You marry those two things to DeFi, so that you get, you know, the best of both worlds. Um, and I think you have something insanely um, successful over, the, over yeah. the course of the next couple of years. Yeah, if it doesn't get yeah.
1: regulated to death, I completely agree with you. Two things that I'm going to be watching: one, Jump Capital. Uh, in all of this madness, Genesis, MultiCoin, I think Jump could be in there. I don't. They, they came out and said that they they're fine with the FTX situation, but they did have some exposure apparently. So we'll see how that goes. The other thing I'm watching is Solana, because the you know three very large investors into four actually into Solana, FTX, uh, Genesis, MultiCoin, and Jump. If you go look at uh, whatever coin what's the uh what's the site that has all the uh coin market cap thank you um or <laughs> gecko no, uh no it's it's something else but you can see who all invested in it uh and those are the four so solana DeFi llama you know, no it's it's a trad Crunchbase crunch no. base or what is it oh defy has
2: has crunch base but better now but DeFi Llama's oh. specter's page is better than Crunchbase. i have Dun- premium subscription to Crunchbase, and it sucks for crypto
1: yeah. Point is, I'll be paying close attention to Solana because those four are, are the mass, you know, potential contagions for for them as well. So, uh, a, a big one, another topic that we have up next. So, Grayscale, um, it's it's a lot of rumors, but Grayscale, Grayscale shares um, you know, are trading at forty percent discount right now, um, and they own three point five percent of the world's Bitcoin, and it's plummeted. Uh, to basically to a thirty-nine to forty percent discount, and Grayscale and Genesis are both subsidiaries of Digital Currency Group. So I don't know if you guys have been sort of following along with this, but um, you know anybody that owns four percent of the entire Bitcoin supply and could potentially be in financial trouble—six hundred thirty-five thousand Bitcoin—is uh, a little frightening to me. So uh, anybody have any any takes on this? I don't know if anybody was following G- along
4: closely. GBTC is it's this thing was about. The problem with, with, with that is it's a close-ended close ended fund. So mm-hmm. the Bitcoin that goes into it never comes out, right? And, and it started in 2013. And just to give a bit of history, it was the only way for institutions to have exposure to Bitcoin. And as a result, it traded for at a premium for a really long time because Bitcoin was going up only for the most part. And if you wanted to buy it using your retirement account, or if you were a fund, the only thing you could do was buy this thing. So you'd always pay more for it than the net asset value, which was the Bitcoin that was contained in it, because it was the only thing you could do. Fast forward a few years, and Spot ETFs launch in Canada, which are a much more effective way of investing in the public markets in Bitcoin, because you can get in and out of it at any point. Um, so it's just a better mousetrap. Without going into the technicalities of why GBTC and the lockup and the six months is is a shit show, but more competition came along, which was a better mousetrap. So all the capital flowed into those those ETFs, and and the SEC won't approve a spot ETF um, on the, in the US markets, which is hurting Grayscale. So now it trades at a discount, and it's been that way for a really long time, probably over a year, I think. So that's one of the trades, the, the, the GBTC carry trade is one of the things that got 3AC um, in a lot of trouble because what they were doing is they would buy Bitcoin, give it to GBTC um, and and wait the six months to convert it and make the difference. Um, maybe I'm not using the right terminology, but there, there was something where they could invest some money, wait for six months, sell that thing, and they would split the difference of the premium. Um, but by the time the six months were up, it was at a discount and, and they lost a lot of money. So that's kind of the genesis of how that happened. Um, and the reason it's getting worse is Grayscale is suing the SEC to let them convert that closed ended fund into Internet, an open ended yeah. fund, which is a spot ETF. And it looks like they're going to lose that court case. And if they lose that court case, Anyone that's in that fund is kind of shit out of luck. So over time, you're seeing that discount get worse and worse and worse. And the problem is that Grayscale owns a lot of the shares in um, of that fund. So the longer that draws out and the more likely it is they lose that, that that court case, the worse it gets for them. Um, and, and you kind of tie that in with DCG being in trouble because Genesis is in trouble. I don't know how to unpack it all. Um, I don't think anybody does.
1: Yeah, but it's a scary reality though. I mean, three and a half percent of the world's Bitcoin, like if they decide they're gonna un- unravel this GBTC as as a fund, sell it, and then pay back whoever the initial you know parties are or whoever they can try to make whole, that's that's that is a way worse outcome than anything to do with FTX as far as the price of Bitcoin.
4: Well, yeah. possibly, likely, but you know, they don't have to sell it all. They just need to kind of distribute it. So I, I'm not sure how bad it could be, but what it does do is it, it, it shatters confidence in these institutions that were built to serve institutions. And, and that's one of the big things that is a problem right now. Um, you know, everyone's saying, well, this is bullish DeFi and, it, and it's not the end of the world. And I agree with all that. But if you kind of break up the world into a few different buckets, you've got people like us that understand the space. We understand the difference between a centralized exchange and a decentralized exchange. We understand the difference between Coinbase and Binance. We understand, you know, that FTX was a fraud, didn't really have anything to do with crypto. It just happened to be the subject matter. We understand all of that. Sorry, I just hit my microphone. Then you've got another group (laughs) of people, which are hobbyists that are somewhat involved in crypto and may not understand all of that. They get the news on, on Twitter. They get the news from, you know, Mainstream media from CNBC, and they don't really understand all of that nuance. And these two buckets make up what a hundred million people combined. I don't know how many use about a hundred million, yeah, Mark. And then yeah. you've got the Deliberate. third bucket, which is everyone that hasn't engaged with crypto yet because they're scared that it might be a scam. So ninety-eight percent of the world, or whatever the, you know, whatever the. the 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 equation works out to be. It's very late here, so my my, my math isn't working out. But the majority of the world that believes crypto might be a scam just found out that it probably is. So in terms of – and then you've got the hobbyists that just got burnt. They don't have any more capital, and they're kind of going to sit back because now they think it's a scam. And you've got people like us that understand the nuance. We're even a bit scared, but we think everything will be okay. So when you talk about the markets recovering, and I have no view on when they will – What new capital comes into this space over the next six months? Yep. 12 months. Whether it's DeFi or centralized exchange or Coinbase or anything, new capital isn't coming in. Uh, It would be crazy if it came in. There'll be a few, you know, cowboys. But no one that's (laughs) thinking rationally thinks this space is investable at all right now. Now, you might have crypto VCs like Dragonfly and Andreessen that are going to go around and pick the bones of these places because they're very sophisticated and they understand it. But no one outside of the space is entering the space during or post this carnage for an undetermined amount of time. And that sucks. It sucks for guys like Webers that are trying to build a business. It sucks for Buns and her team. It sucks for Double Sharp, who's a dev, trying to you know set up projects and get work done. And it's just a very sad state of affairs. Um, so I don't think things bounce up, back very quickly because of that. And that, that kind of upsets, upsets me because this was fun. Forget about making money. This was fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool things were being built. This you know, is there fun. was new things that you could Link. that you could invest in. And, and I'm just really sad. Anyway, I just yeah. wanted to have that emotional moment with you. Yeah, I'm glad you could get that out. <laughs> you usually have to pay for something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Market.
0: Yeah, I would, I would just say, you know, I, I'm old enough to have been around during the dot-com boom and then bust. And um, had a whole set of adventures in the late 90s. Uh, by the early 2000s, I'd lost all my money and was living on my friend's boat. And uh, I was working for a guy called Travis Kalnick on a thing called Red Swoosh for a couple of years. Um, but what happened with that, I, basically there was a five-year period where nobody could raise any money for anything. And you, you even had thoughts like, oh, the Internet was just a mirage and it was all bullshit and it's never coming back. Like, there, there were moments where I honestly thought that was the reality. It seems insane now, right? But I, the, the point of this is that I don't think we're going to go through a desert like that this time around. We will go through something um, and it might be two years might, of which we've just gone through one year. Um, but I, I don't there's too much infrastructure uh, with the Internet you know with the dot-com boom and bust uh you needed more infrastructure to be built out before the internet was ready to explode uh we don't have to wait for that that infrastructure to be built out because it already exists what we need is a healthy financial environment to exist so go ahead you seem to disagree but... I, I
5: would say i i agree with that and i disagree because i actually okay. so as a shilling my own thing i'm working on an infrastructure project for web 3 because oh. there are like the reality is most websites are web 2. And if yep. you want to integrate them into a web three environment, you need a you know web three developer to do that. So I do think there's a lot of opportunity for there to be infrastructure to like tie everything together, you know, crypto payment systems make them easy to implement into an e-commerce site, um, automatically minting NFTs from Reddit, like they had to make their own thing with Polygon to make all of that work. There could be a lot of tooling that that does sort of help blow things up and also because i've been working on some of that stuff i have still been you know sort of poking around and talking to vcs and i agree that things have you know people are definitely a lot more hesitant to throw money around and are are you know i think taking looking at at what they're investing in and through a different um lens a little bit but um like Beavis and i go and look at this vc Flow on on some websites just to see who's getting funded and um, what is still coming down the pipeline. And there are still uh, crypto and DeFi projects and NFT projects getting funded, you know, through this month. Obviously, some of this this fallout is like relatively recent, but the market macro conditions haven't been, um, you know, looking amazing for a while. And there have still been been deals going on. Now, granted like joe pegs the nft marketplace on avalanche was recently you know got five million dollars of funding through ava labs and ftx so like i don't know <laughs> that deal happened like last week i don't know if they're getting all of that five million dollars or not probably kind not of thing so so who knows like um you know you can you might need to read into some of these deals a little bit too but um from an investment perspective you know the whole like you know when fear when people are fearful is a good time to invest kind of thing if you if you aren't inv- invested in crypto and you haven't necessarily been in, in affected by the FTX fallout maybe this is a great time to invest in some um, promising non-fraudulent crypto projects because the upside is really huge <coughs> right now so mm-hmm. I think people are obviously going to be adjusting their risk models and and thinking about things a little bit differently and probably doing more due diligence and making sure that people have proper uh org structures and actually have a board and um you know might want you to be incorporated in the us versus offshore like there might be different rules now but i don't know that that all investment has completely dried up and i do think there's a lot of opportunity for for you know things to be built that are going to help propel things after all of this um, all of this stuff is in the past
2: Yeah. I mean, I'll I'll like concisely say, like, there are still billions of dollars on the table for projects. It like what used to be, however, like really the problem is sales cycles are way longer. So it used to be a I'm going to meet these people and close a deal in a month is now I'm going to have to become friends with these people and gain their trust and get them intimately familiar with every aspect of our business, whether they're investing in X, Y, Z, the other or not. And then, um, you know, close the deal, but you know, a 16 z still has billions of dollars to hand out. Block tower, just, you know, closed the $150 million raise that they want to hand out to DeFi projects. Um, you know, I think the narrative is still strong and there are still a lot of people with a lot of money, um, the problem now is, and, and it's not really a problem, it's maybe how it should have been all along, but because things are going slow, because it's the bear market, and there aren't as many credible projects coming up for money. On top of that, all of the credible credible projects are trying to raise money. So it's like, the competition is, you know, less crazy and, and infinite and dense, but everybody coming to the table is serious. So it's like, a much longer song and dance than it was, I think in 2021. And I, to a certain extent, think that's how it it's should be.
1: Like, yeah, it's a good thing.
2: It's a I, good thing. We're, building, I we're some... building relationships with investors. Yeah, I mean, we're not I, like just I, trying to I, get a check and, and run it back.
1: It's still hard to deviate from, from Mark and Nick's point of like, if Genesis goes down, if multi-coin goes, and we're talking billions of dollars that, you know, we're in lending markets that are no longer going to be in lending markets. So I think there has to be a period where, We see less capital, you know, being able to flow out to to protocols that are looking to raise at this point. But
2: yeah, but, you know, it's a good time to be American. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Um, It's like we we find like our our thesis for building is like, hey, we need to start sucking up tradfi liquidity. We need to figure out the best way to do that and the best way to generate revenue. Okay, the people who align with that are not the people yeeting millions of dollars into FTX they're not the people buying a liquid shit coins with like their hedge fund you know the people that want to do that are the people that are like you know like sitting in a in a leather chair in an office like at you know maybe like the 20th floor of a of a 50 floor building like really frugal like miserly people uh you know Hopefully maybe the office looking at like T bonds and you know scratching their chins it's it's the people that are winning right now and and it's the same reason like you see oath perform so well it's just like the people who hate risk are the ones who are looking to invest now and and those are the people that i personally align with quite a bit those are the people that a lot of builders align with and the people who just want to whip out ponzi schemes or the people who just want to like go crazy and build something for six months and pretend that they're going to be building for six years. Um, those are the people that are going to have a really, really hard time. And the people they would normally go to for money are now broke. Um, yeah, I, so I don't think they're getting it, it's money. It's just a different vein. We're, we're in, we're in like the winners now are the bears, you know, the winners now are the people who, who want to take a measured approach to this market, who understand DeFi is three, four, five years away from being, you know, Marketable to anywhere near the mainstream, um, and and those are the people that are like, you know, ready to go. And and there are a lot of those people, and a lot of those people have a lot of money. This is like, the first Republic banks are winning right now, not the HSBCs. It's it's the people who like who are like, oh, treasury bonds might be a little too much for me, um, but uh, you know, it, it's. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of the cream rise to the top. Whereas over twenty twenty one. Like pitching like a 10 year roadmap, like sure people like it, but you know, I want a 10X in six months is it was really the expectation in 2021. And now people like really, really serious people are rising to the top and they're doing business. And these are the people that we've been like dancing with for the past, you know, handful of months. And and I think this is like the time for really, really good projects to shine and, and projects that maybe were protective of their cap table over twenty twenty one for example. And we're going to see some of the best businesses that will ever exist in the world of finance, I think, come out of this bear market. Um, not to be like, you know, so hoping right. because I think things are dire. But, it, you know, I, I see serious, serious people doing serious, serious work. And the work is good. And the work is going to take us to where we're trying to go in the next five to 10 years.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Heard it. Heard it on across the chains first that uh, we are headed to a better spot. So let's let's hope that is the case. <laughs> there are people that are giving out liquidity mining incentives and programs, uh, and Avalanche is one of those chains that's doing that right now. So something called Avalanche Rush, hundred and eighty million dollar fund apparently, uh, and basically uh, you know giving incentives to to builders that are coming to Avalanche um, to help grow the DeFi ecosystem, right? So in this case. Um, it is with GMX, who you know originally launched on Arbitrum. Uh, I think they've certainly made headlines for sort of the real yield narrative and, and the perpetual back DEX exchanges that are exploding onto the scene that we see right now. So 4 million in funds given to GMX to launch on Avalanche um, to really help kind of provide to partners um, that wanna come and, and partner with GMX to give them uh, liquidity and incentives to be there. And so clearly there are chains still investing right now for, for the betterment of their future. And so I, you know, I, I like to to see, I mean, I like I like the move from Avalanche. I think the GMX obviously is a very, very big name in the space. Do you think like do you think that right now is the right time to be doing this? Like is is this the building in a bear market uh you know mentality that chains should be having? Uh, or is it giving tokens at the bottom and giving probably too many to meet the the dollar amount that are then worth you know 10x when things are good?
0: I think you build. And, and I, I don't de- think you stop.
4: Yeah the details matter too. Like where the tokens going, in what quantity. So it, it matters. It could turn into a shit show absolutely, but it could also be a a a master stroke. So I, I think any blanket statement is, is incorrect. Yeah. Um, now is the
2: time to try to eat up market share. Now is the time to spend. Yes. 2021, you're throwing your money into a pit of infinite noise. Now you put $4 million on the table. It's like a laser straight into the heavens that everyone sees. <laughs> yeah. And so, all your competition
0: I, is getting killed, right? And so- yeah. It's literally the best time to launch anything. So yes, very smart. Spending incentives in
2: 2021 was like throwing your money into a fire. Spending incentives in, in late 2022 going into 2023 is like lighting, like the, the beacon of Gondor, you know, or. Yeah. yeah. Justin and Mark are
4: right, like we're, we're we're launching Revolo Intel in December and I've got all the advertising decks of, you know, where you can advertise in, in, you know, in crypto. And my strategy is going to be, well, great. That's the previous price. Um, this is today's price when I'm buying advertising, and they'll take it because that's just how the world works: supply and demand. The same thing happens um, when you've got a recession; you can buy advertising on Google and Facebook at 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 a, at a better ROI. So I agree. I agree with both of them, with both Mark and Justin. Anyone with the stomach to, you know, um, build through this and, and launch a business, whether it's a protocol, a chain. Um, or a tangential business around the industry, you spend money now, you you capture market share, you acquire users, you build goodwill. When things turn, and they will, whether it's two years or three years, who knows? But um, but at that point, you've got an established customer base, an established user base. You're better at it than you are today. And and then you end up with with all that, you know, you you, you yield those rewards. The reason the Bitboys and the crypto banters are so huge right now is they just started before everybody else. It's not that they're more insightful or they're better at distribution or content. They were just here first. So I think, yeah, it's the right approach. Um, Anyone with the stomach for it should really go for it over the next three months um, and be very thoughtful and strategic about how they spend money because there is value. I don't don't mean on an investment front. I mean, there is value in terms of, you know, uh, business strategy and and, and and tactics to acquire market share. yeah also right now FTX are is,
0: yeah well ftx is dead
4: and you know
0: if you're gmx which is a baby version of a decentralized uh, ftx because it you provide leverage products right now is the time to get into the market i think right you know it, it couldn't be more perfect especially right, for yeah. gmx yeah yeah, and
1: so something I'll add, and, and you know, there was basically a, a, and I don't want to get, uh, I don't want to get fact checked by, by Double Sharp. I'm on the, pulling things from Twitter because he'll fact check my spelling in, in Slack. So, uh, but basically, there was a tweet that went out that says <laughs> yeah, yeah, Aval- Avalanche uses, uh, use, oh my God, Avalanche gas use at an all time high, monthly transaction count near all time high, subnets are at 118 and climbing, and fees still remain low, and so. I say all of that to say this it seems like Avalanche is doing pretty damn well. Um, And it's, and it's, they're doing it pretty quietly. I mean, they're handing out obviously pretty big, you know, um, liquidity and mining incentive payouts, but still, it seems like things are going very well. So, um, you know, good for them. And it'll be interesting to see where they play out. Go ahead.
5: Well, Clay, I I agree (laughs) with you. Um, I, I I, I actually, I'm a, I am a, fan of what uh, avalanche is doing you know on the tech side of things i i think i've talked about subnets before i yeah. think it's a uh, the they watching some of the podcasts with some of their executive team and on their engineering team i see their vision i think that you know there's you can have different opinions on vertical scaling and horizontal scaling and you know all the different zk roll-ups versus optimistic and all these things but they do have their vision for how they want to um, implement their network and they're executing on it very well. They're doing a lot of stuff that I think is is you know really cool on the tech side. And then you're seeing gas usage at an all-time high is a good thing if fees are remaining low because that means you're able to handle a lot of throughput. Gas just means that you're paying for things to execute on the chain. So they're able to handle a lot of execution without fees going up. Um, and that's largely due to to pushing a lot of the traffic off onto subnets uh DeFi kingdoms I think they had I saw it's like 120 ish um subnets are live now there's probably a lot more than that but the you know the projects that are running on subnets now are in the 120 range and I you know personally have now started when when having conversations with people about you know how to implement a token or how to implement a project you know have we considered avalanche subnets because here's some of the cool stuff that we'd be able to do and leverage in this project. So they've started coming up more and more for me as a technical solution, which I, you know, I think, so I obviously am a fan of what they're doing. Um, I have not personally launched anything on a subnet. Um, but, um, I've used avalanche a little bit and it's, it, you know, I think that they are doing a lot of, a lot of things that I am excited about and I know, uh, bun's, it seems to to be a fan of theirs too buns are you
1: building on, yeah, on avalanche
3: awesome. i am yes and they're they're awesome i mean i've i have had nothing but successful transactions with them which is big it's pretty annoying whenever they don't go through only for you to figure out later that it doesn't go through the um the costs a little bit costlier than phantom by a little bit i mean maybe like 10, 15, 20 times uh, more expensive, but that's still, I mean, if you know, phantom, that's virtually nothing. Still, so 10 times, yeah. nothing is still nothing. <laughs> We're still talking pennies. Um, so that's, that's good news. Um, and, you know, they, uh, so far of the, the budget, I'll call it, um, blockchains, I will say that um, avalanche has, has gone above my expectations and has been quite performant. So. All right.
5: Well, that, we that talk sounds... about polygons having a, a pro like biz dev team and a pro team mm-hmm. behind them. That's another thing. I mean, I, I haven't like worked with avalanche and like I mentioned earlier, but in general, like just seeing, I, I did see some of their presentations at conferences and I have, um, mm-hmm. you know, watched some of their interviews and seen their marketing materials. And I think they're running a pretty pro organization too. Yeah. Um, they seem like they are, they obviously oh. have a lot of people working on stuff, but they seem like they are, um, you know, taking it seriously, taking a professional approach and executing on their their plans efficiently. Yeah.
1: I, I agree with you. Um, so, Sebastian, that's pretty cool to see that. So ultimately, the next round is going to be about actual business applications. My org is looking to run AVAC subnets to control our fees for our customers. Very cool. I'd like to know more about what you do. Uh, that's, that's always good to see, though. Um, Double Sharp, you're absolutely right polygon just partnered with nike honestly we have taken so much of you guys time that i think we'll probably wrap it here but we'll get it into that uh next week on the nike thing get it on quick flip dude these
2: people need to watch quick flip for real yeah that's a good
1: show if you haven't seen quick flip a new show for austin and i that is specific to polygon all kinds of really cool stuff and i love the way it looks the editing is really awesome so shout out to emmett our editor um if you haven't had a chance Get Plunky, that's right. Get Plunky too. Uh, get educated on ZKEVM and Plunky too. Double Sharp breaks it down in this <laughs> episode we have. Uh, so thanks, thank you, Double Sharp, for coming on. Um, if you haven't yet, hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Do us a favor. It's the best way you can support us at BlockBytes. Mark, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on. Uh, great to have you. Everybody else, you guys are awesome. Bubble, Double Sharp, Buns, Beavis, everybody, we are out. Thanks everyone have an awesome time. weekend and an awesome Friday. Emma, Emmett, take us home.